1: To the RotoWire Fantasy Football Podcast. Today is Wednesday, November sixth. I'm Jeff Erickson. As always, our podcast is sponsored by the good folks at Yahoo Fantasy Sports. Thank you for your sponsorship, Yahoo. My co-host today, my guest, is an f- old friend, RotoWire family member, Howard Bender. Now with Fantasy Alarm, you hear him often on SiriusXM Fantasy Sports Radio, all the time. In fact, and even in sometimes like you hear it in your sleep. He's on there so often. Howard, how are you?
2: I'm doing very, very well. If, uh, if you're hearing my voice in your sleep, Jeff, then, uh, we have other issues accomplished.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Mission, <laughs> many, many other issues at work there, but, uh, you know, Hey, I love listening to you guys. Uh, you've, you've carved out a, quite a good niche. you got a good partnership with Jim Bowden. Yeah, I hear you on with Lisa Ann. Uh, you know, you're on a lot of places, so it's, it's definitely a good thing. Um, let's talk uh, about Week 10 here. There's a lot going on, uh, a lot of injuries. First of all, it's bi-week ac- uh, apocalypse this week with six teams on by, including some very fancy relevant ones in Houston and New England. So uh, we're having to scramble to find guys, yet we had a bunch of guys that are hurt, too.
2: Um, we do have a bunch of guys who are hurt. One guy got suspended. So, I mean, yeah, listen, there's, um, there's there's always something out there. Now, I mean the problem is is that, you know, when the some of the leagues that we play in 12, 14 team leagues, it gets a lot more bleak, but you know, for those who listen and and play in a 10 team league, it's actually it's probably not as bad for them as uh, as one would think.
1: Right. That's right. I am in a 14 team two-tight end league, don't ask. Um, <laughs> and I own Evan Ingram. So life is good. Let's start off with him. Uh, he's going to miss this week. Uh, he's got a midfoot sprain. He's his foot is in a boot. They've already said he's not going to play this week. This is the same injury that Cam Newton had, uh, has, I should say. And, you know, it's near the Liz Frank area. We had Stefania Bell on the show today and she was talking, you know, comparing the two injuries and that's never a good, you never want to hear that comparison. Uh, it's, it's definitely something that I, I'm absolutely worried about going forward and let alone just for this week.
2: Yeah, that's definitely a problem. I remember when uh, I think it was Matt Schaub who had the first really just high-profile Liz Frank fracture. Um, And so immediately, like once you start hearing, I looked it up and what it was and what the exact nature of the injury was. And so when I heard that for Cam Newton, I was like, oh, man, this is going to be a problem. Now, um, you know, with Evan Engram, yeah, this is, you know... (laughs) I mean, it's a problem for fantasy owners. It's not It's not so much a problem for the Giants. I don't think the Giants are really in a situation where uh, they're competing. Please don't tell Chris Liss I said any of this, especially with a Jet Giant game coming up. I Huge wanna, of true.
1: Huge. I don't
2: want to go to go to war. <laughs>
1: That's right. You're a Jet guy. I forgot about that. I know. That. It's pathetic. It's oh, awful. Man. But,
2: I mean, listen, Rhett Ellison is, uh, you know, we, we see him get involved in the passing game. He's not an ideal guy, but – you know, when you're looking at a, at a, you know, I mean, the tight end position is just such trash anyway that a guy like Rhett Ellison, you might as well, you should be like, Oh, okay. You know, he's going to see some targets. Sterling Shepard's going to be out again. So, you know, you, you kind of look at, at that situation. You say, yeah, I mean, it, it sucks that I'm losing my tight end, but you know, Engram really hasn't been doing, you know, masterful work for your your fantasy teams anyway.
1: Right. And this is the, not the, this is the second game he's going to miss. Um. Yeah. This is. It's pretty brutal. Uh. I'm. I'm already kind of scrambling. I mean. I'm. I'm looking to pick up a de- You know. I'm p- looking. I've already had to. You know. I picked up Blake Jarwin. Someone picked up Jacob Hollister for eight bucks in Fab. I mean. Yeah, after one game that he's done anything, and he might not even be the starter next week because who knows if Ed Dixon's coming back? I, I think it's going to be Hollister, but it's still it's like wow, we're we're scrambling for that. Don't ever play in two tight end leagues. Is the other answer, by the way? It's, I'm it's,
2: I'm in a two tight end league as well. It's it's disgusting.
1: It's hell. <laughs> it's just hell. I hate it. I and and it.
2: and because it's a two tight end league, you've got that one dude who's just been holding out hope that OJ Howard. Uh-huh. I'll just keep him on my bench. I'll stash him, and uh, and now all of a sudden, you know, for like a ten or a twelve team league, you've got, you know, people being like, oh, should I pick up OJ Howard? He's going up against Arizona. Anything beyond that, though, you're not getting anything.
1: Right. I'm actually rostering Blake Jarwin and Cameron Brate this week, so that should be pretty awesome, and. We can effectively end the podcast now because all credibility is gone, but we got more.
2: (laughs) Well, if you want to kill credibility, I'll tell you which tight ends I'm starting. I can't even.
1: You are the whisperer, actually. (laughs) Uh, I I don't know how you got that hat. You you branded that. I I missed the genesis of that, but uh, how how did that happen?
2: So, uh, what was it, a couple of seasons ago, two years ago? Um, I was, uh, I was riding the Austin Hooper train throughout preseason. And I really thought that with the way Steve Sarkeesian had worked his tight ends at the college level, I thought that that was going to be something that, you know, for his first experience at the NFL level, he was going to try and ride that train a little bit. So Mm -hmm. I was all in on Austin Hooper. I was promoting Austin Hooper. And then sure enough, week one, if you remember, there was crazy broken coverage and Austin Hooper ends up with like a 61 yard touchdown catch. Um, he put up like yep. a buck 20 on yards, that touchdown catch. And everybody went bananas, bananas. But then Austin Hooper had a lousy matchup in the second half in, in the, in week two. And I was like, wow, well, I mean, listen, I I know I'm riding that train, but how about this guy? I, I, it was uh, it was Eric Ebron, who I absolutely have dogged for multiple seasons right now, saying that this dude's hot trash and you don't want him. And I was like, you know, maybe, maybe maybe I need to shed my preconceived notions and talk about Eric Ebron a little bit more here. And sure enough, Ebron ended up in week two with like 80 some odd yards at a touchdown. And so the legend of the tight end whisperer was born.
1: Ah, ah, there you go. There you go. Very good. Uh, other big news. A.J. Green's going to come back this week. Now, he's, he's not going to come back to Andy Dalton. He's going to come back to Ryan Finley. I'm not sure if you're gonna, Green's going to get a full complement of snaps. In fact, I'm pretty sure he will not. Uh, and he's coming back against the Ravens, a team he's traditionally been strong against. But I, I mean, I can't imagine this being a good week for him.
2: Well, you know, I kind of find it funny that you're asking you being the Bengals guy that you're asking me this because I've really, I'm too close. I don't, I, just, I, need- I don't understand it. I don't get it. What like Jeff, what is, what's the incentive for the Bengals to put AJ green on the field? What happens? What happens if he aggravates this injury again? He says he wants a long-term deal. Doesn't want to be franchised the team will either franchise him or come up with a long-term deal. It's a lost season. Like, why are you putting this guy who spent more time on IR in the past three seasons than he has on the field? Why are we bringing him back?
1: I I don't have a good answer for you, except for that players want to play, you know, they, they want to, he's been working towards coming back. He does, you know, even though they can see the writing on the wall, I mean, they still want to play, right? I, I think most players, will do everything they can to kind of come back. So it's tough to be the Bengals and say, okay, we're shutting you down for the season. I mean, especially when you've been carrying them all this time Had they put him on IR to return or even on the pup list, that would have been one thing, but I mean, they're here, I guess. I mean, and, and coinciding with the week where you got a rookie quarterback making his debut. That's the thing that just makes zero sense to me. You know, I, that, that's one where I'm like, why not at least let him play with Dalton? For a little bit, I know they. There's an incentive for them to see what they've got in Finley. They spent a fourth round pick on them. Sure, they, they're going to be. It, it's a huge draft next year, and they need to make the, an informed decision. Are do they have anything at all in Finley, or do they need to spend that first or second or third pick or whatever it ends up being on a quarterback on Tua on Burrows, uh, or there there are others too. It's a great quarterback draft this, this upcoming year, um, but still. It, I, it it's a bad time, series of timing. Um, I'm not using Green this week. Even you know, I'll probably put him around 35 or so. But I, it's easy for me to say I'm not using him because I I am in 13 leagues that are season long leagues, Howard, and I don't have him anywhere. I don't have him in any uh, my best ball leagues. I as soon as that injury happened, is like cross him off. I just I just remember so much of what's happened with Green in the past with the toe and. Mm-hmm. I just was like, no, I'm, I I fully buy into the whole Scott Pianowski theory. You know, don't add unnecessary risk to your portfolio.
2: I completely agree with that. I have zero shares of, oh no, 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 I take that back. I had one share of AJ green, uh, in a league and I dropped him sometime around week three or week four when it was just clearly obvious that he wasn't coming back. And then the Bengals with all the, uh, the offensive line issues that they had, Uh, And all the injuries in the preseason, I said this, I mean, this team is just going nowhere. Um, And I'm a fair evaluator of that because I'm a Jets fan. I know (laughs) what teams that are going nowhere look like. The
1: self-hate on this podcast is strong.
2: Well, you say you say players want to play. I'm like, I got Lev Bell trying to drop a new single at a club in Miami at 2 a.m. before he's supposed to play the Dolphins. Um, and you're yeah. saying players want to play. I'm like, no, they don't.
1: Well, yeah, you had the lineman that, you know, the Jets said, oh, you can play through that uh, that injury. And oh, he had surgery. I mean, oh,
2: yeah.
1: you guys have a, you have the other dynamic going on. What is going on there?
2: It's just it's a, it's a hot mess. It's atrocious. You know, we always sit here and say, you know, the Browns are going to Brown. The Jets are going to jet. And it's just it's par for the course. The bottom line is, is that we all know Joe Namath sold his soul to the devil uh, to win that, that super bowl. And the devil turned to him and said, Joe, just so you know, as long as you're still alive, the team will never, ever, ever win another super bowl. And Joe's like, I'm good with that. Cool. No problem
1: yeah and then he said name a couple other franchises you want to put the kibosh on too and he said okay uh bengals uh lions you know, you know it's it's really bad uh,
2: how amazing is it that the bengals play the dolphins the bengals play the jets uh the jets play the like we're all competing and meanwhile washington's yeah. gonna sneak in there
1: yeah yeah they're they're one and eight they're doing their own incompetence related thing too it's it's pretty sweet uh yeah it, it, it is really amazing um the Colts, meanwhile, they had their franchise quarterback retire on them. They lose Ty Hilton for a series of games. He's probably out for three to four weeks. They missed a game earlier. Uh, they they uh, had lost Darius Leonard. They lost Malik Hooker. They they should have beat the Steelers last week despite all that. You know that's the contrast in franchises about a well-run franchise versus you know trash fire like our respective teams.
2: Yeah, right? Isn't it amazing that no matter who the uh, the backup quarterback is for the Colts, he's always going to be better than you know like Sam Darnold and Daniel Jones and right. Drew Lock and all these other guys that we've got stacked in there. I mean, it's it's crazy, but you know, listen, I I think a lot of it has to do with Frank Reich being oh, yeah. such a, a QB whisperer, so to speak. I think that he, you know, having the experience that he has in the NFL as a quarterback himself, I think that he can endow that wisdom and really help these guys out a lot more. So, you know, Brissett being out uh, and Hoyer coming in, listen, we remember when Hoyer came in uh, for Deshaun Watson and, and the Texans never really missed a beat. So, you know, I, even with T.Y. Hilton down, I think you've got enough weaponry there with Ebron and Doyle and Zach Pascal is really stepping up. Maybe, maybe we'll see a Dion Kane resurface. But, I, you know, I, I think that it's uh, it's viable. I would actually consider considering it's a, a matchup against Miami. If you're streaming QBs. I don't hate Brian Hoyer this week if he plays.
1: Through for three TDs. His YPA his, his was like six and a half, six, seven, or something like that. Not great, but they moved the ball. And if, a, if it weren't for Vinatieri having his sold his sold of the devil season two, they would have won that game.
2: <laughs> for immortality.
1: Yeah, apparently. <laughs> uh, you know, the, I think the thing here, too, is the offensive line's great. And that goes a long way to protecting whoever the quarterback is. Uh, it makes makes an average quarterback look good, makes a bad quarterback look average, makes a good quarterback look great. Uh, it goes a long way.
2: No doubt about it. No doubt about it. we sit there and we go through offensive lines all the time every time, you know, when we do our draft guide at, at alarm and really try to evaluate who's got that and who doesn't. So, you know, and you track the injuries. Listen, I at the uh, FSGA draft uh, for for this, I took Joe Mixon. In the, uh, in the early second round, I was pretty psyched to have Joe Mixon because, you know, you guys had, you know, the Bengals had rebuilt their offensive line and, and, you know, made some changes on it. And. I was paying attention to that, but literally as soon as like those two injuries happened early on in the preseason, yep. I was like, well, this is just a wasted pick now.
1: Yeah, Jonah Williams didn't even make it to the preseason. That was the thing that was so frustrating about that. Uh, I think uh, that happened between the FSGAs and opening a training camp or something of that nature there, um, and that was their first-round pick. Their first round, And then Billy Price, their first-round pick last year, can't even make it on the field. You know, the—, the uh, You know, it's amazing.
2: Who did they pass up on to get Billy? I saw your tweet.
1: Lamar Jackson. It's pretty sweet. Lamar Jackson. That's awesome. cool. Cool. You know, because we got Dalton. We're fine. We don't need a quarterback. And the (laughs) thing is, RotoWire's Mario Puig had been banging the drum for Lamar Jackson heading into the draft. I was like, yeah, okay, I'm sold. I I want Lamar Jackson on the Bengals. He could be the guy of the future. But the thing is, we would have destroyed him too. Because you take something beautiful and you just destroy it. That's what you, you have. No offensive line. You have a <laughs> coordinator. You don't have a GM. You have an owner that acts as a GM. That's always you know good formula for success. You have fewer scouts than any team in the NFL. You know, regular podcast listeners have heard me on this. They're like, okay, drink. You know, he's going down the Bengals run again. <laughs> but I, you know, there you go. It happens. Uh, let's talk a little. A couple other uh, injuries of note. Adam Thielen uh, not going to play this week. It's weird here because they said he didn't aggravate it, yet he couldn't go after seven snaps. It's kind of a weird kind of parsing for me. It's like yeah, it kind of seal kind of sounds like he did aggravate it. They're just trying to make it sound better and it just didn't feel right. What gives?
2: Uh, you know what? I'm actually I'm okay with that. I, you know I'm okay with you know with sitting him down and saying if you don't feel a hundred percent, then, you know, we can, you know, we can make an effort here without you. Now, obviously they didn't win the game, which was uh, incredibly disappointing. I thought that they were going to be able to handle the chiefs, but you know, I mean, I I think that a team like the Vikings has to look long-term and Thielen is such, such an integral part of once that passing game opens up, that I I think it's just it's best to kind of sit them and, and, you know, lean a little bit on digs, get Rudolph back into the mix. Uh, B.C. Johnson is uh, is passable. But, you know, when you look at at Minnesota, I mean, it's all run first. I mean, Kubiak and Dennison have really done an amazing job uh, with that blocking scheme and the offensive line and really opening up holes for Dalvin Cook. I mean, you want to talk about an offensive line making a good player look great and an average player looking good. You know, I mean, you look at Madison and Dalvin Cook and you're like, man, these guys just look amazing on the field. So, you know, to spare a little uh, wear and tear on Thielen, that might not be necessary. I've actually got the uh, the Vikings as my dark horse pick to win the Super Bowl.
1: Nice. I have them covering against the Cowboys this week. Uh, I, I, I feel like they're a pretty good team. And for all the talk about who is Minnesota beaten, you can say the same thing about the Cowboys. They've beaten the Giants twice. They beat the Redskins. Uh, They they beat the Dolphins. Uh, They they don't have they they beat the Eagles, but so do the Vikings. You know, I'm I'm kind of like, and I'm not even sure about the Eagles. You know, Eagles are a good team at least, but they're not. That's not a great win, and they lost to your Jets, which is automatic negative points.
2: Right, you should actually get two losses in the loss column for that for being the team that loses to the Jets. Yeah, listen, the only thing that I think is going to stop. The Minnesota Vikings is uh, is Zimmer and Stefanski. Like it just like it blew me away when you're when you're playing the Chiefs, okay, who have just the worst run defense in the world. Mm -hmm. Uh, Anybody runs. I could I could put on a uniform, Jeff, and run against the Chiefs. I've
1: seen you, Howard. I don't know about that. I've got your speed. I don't know. Maybe, you, you know, actually, that's not fair. You might be faster
2: than I am. No, I think... I'm not. I have, I have an invisible piano on my back when I try to run. <laughs> it's terrible. But I mean, you know, when they when they went into Kansas City, it was it was horrifying, like three incomplete passes and a punt. That's how you open the game. Then mm. you hand the ball to Dalvin Cook and then and he gets a few yards. And then what do you do? You throw another incomplete pass. Then you come back with a run play and you're using Amir Abdullah. Yeah. Like the biggest tomato can running back around. I mean it was just it, it, I, I was blown away. Well, and, and
1: mean, how about Diggs getting four targets for that matter too? And let's we got to make sure LaQuan Le- Treadwell eats. I mean, really? <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, so that to me that's the one thing that's holding them back and I don't really understand why? I mean, if you've if you've established everything with the ground game, then why would you even remote? Like, did you think you were gonna fake out Andy Reid? Did you think that you were gonna like go in there and Cousins was gonna start slinging the rock right from moment one? And that was what? No. I mean, you got to stick with what works,
1: especially what works for you and wor- what works against the Chiefs. It was the perfect matchup. I mean, there was a reason why it was chalk. Now Cook got his yards, but. Just, you know, but it combined yards in the passing and rushing game, but it could have been so much better. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. I agree. It was it was pretty bad. There was a lot of things in that game. that were kind of could have, should have, would have. I mean, let's not forget they missed. An, Dan Bailey missed an extra point in this game, which ended up being huge because the Chiefs were down three late. Harrison Butker kicks that 54 yarder to tie the game. They're down four. They're forced to go for it on fourth down. But like four minutes left in the game. You know, they, they miss failing that fourth down. Vikings probably win that game, let alone, you know, get tied and then lose it. You know, they, they, it's a completely different finish.
2: You're crushing my soul right now, Jeff. You're yeah. crushing my soul.
1: I didn't, <laughs> you, I didn't know you were a deep, you know, had that Vikings vibe for you here, man. Didn't realize You know, this.
2: it's kind of funny. Actually, good therapy. The, the very first game I ever went to Jets Vikings in Shea Stadium. And there was one Vikings fan in this sea of drunken green that mm-hmm. I was sitting in in the upper deck. And, uh, and people were, you know, razzing him and picking on him. And, you know, all of a sudden, you know, he, they like took he had like one of those felt pennants that, that we used to make in the 70s. Yes. And he was like holding that. And they stole it from him. And they threw it down and it came down to me. And I saw it and I picked it up and I brought it back to him and I handed it to him. Aww. And. You know, yeah. And I was like, you know, I I just I had this affectation for the Vikings. I don't know what it is. Past life, Jeff, uh, could be that I was Nordic somewhere else and had this affectation for it. Maybe it was the purple people eaters and uh, and all of that. But, yeah, I've always had this like soft spot for the Vikings. Now, I'm not a Kirk Cousins fan by any means, but there's just something about the franchise that I kind of dig. So they've always been my NFC team uh going up against uh well I mean everybody else over there who I hate like cool. the Cowboys and the Giants
1: cool so were you like that was during the Freeman McNeil era or how long ago <laughs> that
2: was earlier than the Freeman McNeil era all
1: right cool cool all right um yeah i i remember Bengals uh, Freeman McNeil in a playoff game coming in and just tearing the Bengals up uh it was like i think it was wild card weekend and the Bengals were hosting and you know it's you know there's many times when the Bengals got torn up, so it's hard to distinguish between them. That was one <laughs> of my uh, that was one of my earlier Bengal games. I think I went to one earlier before that. I lived in Indy though before the Colts moved there. I think they moved there when I was like 13 or 14. So by by then, my Bengaldom had been established already. And me being a stubborn type, I didn't leave them. Uh, I still haven't left. My dad who foisted the Bengals upon me. He's now a cheese fan. He lives in Kansas. Now somehow I stuck with the Bengals, but good times.
2: Yeah. I'm uh, really, I'm really, really disappointed that that's the one thing that my dad handed down to me jets fandom. I'm like, really? Yeah. Thanks.
1: Yeah. Well, we're, <laughs> we're free to disassociate, but we don't, that's the tough part, but here we go. Uh,
2: quick note, the
1: NFL season is in full swing at Yahoo daily fantasy sports. There's a million reasons to enter the free Yahoo cup on daily fantasy. And they're all dollars. That's right. Yahoo cup is free to enter and a perfect lineup will win you a million dollars every week of the football season. It's as easy as entering the contest and picking your players. If you're over 18 and a United States citizen, there's no reason why you shouldn't take your shot. Yahoo daily fantasy football has new contests every week with guaranteed cash prizes. Even if you don't score a perfect lineup, you can still walk away from a game with a little cash. Choose Yahoo daily fantasy today Get started now at yahoo.com slash daily fantasy. I'm Jeff Erickson. I'm here with Fantasy Alarms. Howard Bender is my uh, co-host today. Uh, Howard, you're on the radio everywhere now. Um, I remember when we used to have you on for segments, and I think we tried to get you on for hosting, but schedule-wise it was tough. Now that's like you're like the most heard host. I think you're more overexposed than Ray and Kyle these days.
2: Um, I do believe I am more overexposed there. I do the uh, I do the Monday through Friday fantasy alarm. I do the Sunday night. Listen, this is this is your fault. This is your creation. I you know the one Frankenstein's you're like, hey, monster. Let's talk. Let's talk. Uh, you know. Let's talk Royals baseball. You actually, I believe, it was you who gave me the nickname Gravy Boat.
1: Yeah, me and I think DVR uh, might have done that. I think DVR actually started it, and I kind of ran with it. I think that's how it worked out, but yeah, we're, we're we created this monster, but I mean, <laughs> it, you sound like you're just having a ball. Um, it's, it's great doing radio. I love doing it as well, especially cause I have no background in it. I wasn't an RTVF guy in college or anything like that. I, I remember you were a bartender, right? And then you got into it. And now all of a sudden we're radio people.
2: Yeah. I mean, listen, I, you know, I have a background in, in theater and I did stand up comedy for a, a number of years. Okay.
1: That translates um, a little bit.
2: Yeah, well, that's, you know, it translates the uh, the entertainment aspect of it. The the mm-hmm. research and the number crunching, you know, that's, you know, just a different aspect of me. I mean, you know, we could track it all through how Howard dropped out of pre-law and then turned to theater and then just decided that, you know, that wasn't working. So it was bartending, was paying the bills. And then I started writing, um, you know, for a, a slew of places, including, you know, Rotowire is uh, the first. I think you guys were the first paid gig I ever had.
1: Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. So that's was, very cool. Yeah. yeah. And you know what? Uh, it's so funny. You're another one that's a recovering quasi-attorney. I, you know, Liz and I both made it all the way through law school, uh, past the bar and everything. I just never practiced. Uh, you got out sooner. You saw the light sooner than I did.
2: I, yeah, I guess. I mean, you know, it was just one of those. I, I was literally sitting there, you know, I was on this, this program, this 3 uh, 3 program with uh, uh, Hamilton College and Columbia Law School. That if I went to Hamilton and I took, you know, like five classes and maintained that 3 6 GPA and, uh, you know, had no fun whatsoever, then. I would get you know automatic admission to Columbia Law in three years, so I wouldn't even have my senior year of college. Wow! And uh, and there I was sitting there about halfway through my my freshman year, being like, "Well, this is literally no fun whatsoever." Like, I don't know if you know anything about Hamilton College. Very isolated. Okay. Very, you know, it's it's very small town. It's just outside of Clinton, which is. You know, it's like a one horse town where the horse is already dead for like the last, <laughs> you know, hundred years. So, you know, there's really there's not a whole lot to do there. But, you know, everybody likes to, to enjoy themselves and party in college. And I just wasn't having any fun. And I really I just I had that, you know, the affectation or the uh, the narcissism and the ego that that needed to be fed. So I was doing theater and enjoying all of that. And that's how it all kind of twisted around. Very good. My how, parents are so proud. You know, no.
1: <laughs> for the first few years when we started the company, I was doing it full time. Like, you are keeping up your law degree, right? You are keeping that up, right? Because you know, you'll, you'll probably go back to that someday. When are you coming back to Chicago? Yeah, none of that happened. <laughs> it's funny how that happens. Uh, how did you get into fantasy?
2: Um, I had played. I, you know, I had played fantasy baseball off and on in high school with friends of mine. Um, we had a league in college that we, uh, that we played for the four years that we were there, but you know, guys kept going in and out and would lose touch and drop out of the league. So it never really lasted beyond the the four years of school. When I was in New York, um, I had this rotating poker game in the, uh, in the mid to late nineties. And we played every Sunday night. Nice. And one of the guys, dad, uh, had a league that, you know, needed more owners. And so he asked us if we wanted to, you know, do it. And, you know, we expanded the league to 15 teams and we all started playing and, uh, and it was great. So that every Sunday night it was, you know, the deal was being passed around, you know, the table, uh, you know, for that. And then it was just massive trade talk and people, you know, going outside to pretend to smoke a cigarette. But meanwhile, they're just sitting there talking trade with each other. And I guess it was, um, yeah, I, I guess it was probably right around. It was right around the turn of the century, Jeff. It was ah. Like two thousand, two thousand one, where I was just like, you know, I, I'm reading people's stuff, and I mean, this was like back when it was, um, you know, you had Al Melkior and and uh, and Dave Ganos, and these were the guys on CBS and CBS yep. Sportsline is where we were you know, playing the league. And I was just, I was reading it and I wasn't trying to be a a douche about it and be like, oh, well, I mean, I could do better than that. It just intrigued me because I was doing well in the leagues and my analysis seemed to be, you know, pretty on point. So I was like, why don't I try this out? And so I just started blogging um, and then just kept sending out links to, uh, to the blog and to different pieces that I was doing uh, until Ray Flowers came along and, brought me into fan ball to work as like a beat writer for the white Sox, but unpaid basically. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that's why I think then he, uh, he introduced me to, to you guys over at Rotoar.
1: That's right. When I remember when the old fan ball fell apart, we got you, we got Paul Bruno, we got Ray, uh, and it was, it was, and it was good. Uh, and so it was written, uh, do you consider yourself more a baseball guy or a football guy or is there one that, a sport that you feel strongest in?
2: I'm still a baseball guy at heart. Yeah. I really do. I you know, I hate to say it. No, I don't hate to say it. It takes skill, intelligence, and tenacity to win a fantasy baseball league. Any mouth breathing knuckle dragger can win a fantasy
1: football. <laughs> we,
2: I affirm I believe that.
1: I, I we've said that all along and I agree. I agree. Uh my home leagues uh are proof of that. You know? <laughs> we we've never you know, certain people never win in baseball. Never. And there's, you know, everybody is one in football and it, it, you know, it just takes one hot year. Uh, good things can happen. And it's just, especially when other people run the, have the bad injury luck and that other guy doesn't, it happens. Uh, so I agree with you on that. I, there's more skill in football today than there has been in the past. Some yes. of that is league structure. Some of it's information is better than it's way, way better than it's been in the past too.
2: Well, that's the thing. I mean, we're researching fantasy football in a different light right now. Like, you know, I spend my, you know, I spend my, my preseason studying things like the offensive line. When I first started playing fantasy football, um, there, I wasn't looking at offensive lines. I couldn't care less. I I don't get points for an offensive lineman. So, you know, now I look at coaching systems and I look at matchups more specifically. And Uh, And all of a sudden, you know, I, who the parents would never sign the permission slip to actually play football, had to actually learn the game of football without actually playing it and understanding what an inside zone run is and, uh, and, and the different effects and different blocking schemes that, that we study right now. So yeah, credit the uh, credit, the industry for expanding the, uh, the need to go more in depth and to teach people more about the game. But Again, your starting running back goes down and your buddy picks up uh, you know, the backup. Well, your buddy's going to do better than you.
1: <laughs> so. Exactly. Exactly. And now holdout analysis is a thing for us. You know, it, things like that. Uh-huh. Lev Bell last year opened up a big Pandora's box there. And every year now we have to figure that out. And suspension analysis. That's another good one. So, yeah, it's, it's always fun. Um, so, yeah, that's good to know. Good to know. Uh, one other quick note. Already knocked out of your survivor pool? Do you end up losing early in the season feeling like your success is mostly based on luck? Wish there were some alternative where you could use your actual fantasy sports knowledge as opposed to relying on whether a team wins or loses? Well, now there is. World Fantasy Pools brings you the first-of-its-kind game type, stat-based survivor pools. World Fantasy Pools takes the traditional concept of survivor pools that players are familiar with and adds in a more exciting twist. Instead of choosing a team to win a game, you will use your fantasy knowledge to choose an athlete to achieve a designated stat line. Achieve the stat line and you advance. Fail to and you will be eliminated. Be the last to survive or make it through all rounds to win or split the prize pool. Just choose one athlete each round and achieve a designated stat line to advance and win. It's that simple. Sign up and play today at www.worldfantasypools.com. So speaking of achieving a certain stat line, the thing that I, I feel like has gotten the most traction for you this year on your show, Howard, is the pie bet. What <laughs> is the pie bet and how did it get started?
2: Um, you know, funny enough, I, I think it kind of got started with an argument between Justin Fensterman and Jim Bowden. Mm-hmm. Um, anybody who's listened to the show knows that Jim is obscenely homeristic When it comes to the Lakers and the, uh, and, and the Cowboys. Yes. Um, yeah, (laughs) yeah, right. (laughs) No brainer. Um, well, Fenstey, being Mr. Basketball was, you know, all upset about some of the stuff that Jim was saying about the Lakers and <laughs> they argued back and forth about it. And, uh, and they like made a bet and I was like, well, let's get a good bet here. Let's make it something, you know, entertaining. And I don't remember exactly how it came out. I know Fencedy brought up the, the pie in the face. It was his first idea there. So from that, I said, well, wouldn't that be actually a great thing for us to do where the four of us on the show, we each draft a wide receiver and whoever comes in last in full point PPR scoring, no bonuses or anything like that. Standard yardage and stuff. I said, that person has to take a pie to the face and post it on social media. Yeah. And, uh, and why so wide did, receivers? Um, I, just a bigger player pool. Okay. Just I a like bigger it. pool because tight ends are trash and right. <laughs> and then quarterbacks are too similar as far as points go. There's a very, you know, obviously a deep position. Sure. Um, I don't know. You know it just felt like there was a, a big enough player pool to, to do it with the, uh, with the wide So we did it for a couple of weeks. And then I decided, I was like, I, I gotta, I gotta open this up to, to everybody else. So I said it on the air. I said, are, are you smarter than us? I'll tell you what, if you, if you enter, you can't choose one of the wideouts that we take, but if your guy does better than just one of our guys, OK, then then you're in the clear. You don't have to do it. But if you lose to all four of us, you got to take a pie to the face.
1: All right. All right. And what you know, and I know there's a charitable component to this, too.
2: Yes. Well, that's one of the things that we talked about, you know, as, as this was going on. And, you know, I'm like sitting there because let's face it, Jeff, who doesn't love looking at watching a video of somebody taking a pie to the face? <laughs> it's, it's, I mean, it. it dates back to vaudeville it's always you know even before that it's just a funny thing to to watch but you know it's holiday time here you don't want to deal with food wasting and you know when when there are obviously so many hungry people out there so what we decided to do was fantasy alarm uh, is donating ten dollars to the children's fund for every pie that somebody gets hit in the face with so that way you know it's sort of that that get a pie give a pie type uh right. type of uh of paying it forward and uh and yeah we've been raising you know we're just we're raising hundreds of dollars every single week for uh for this the the player pool is growing even more we've had we had more entrants uh here in week nine than we have uh you know in any other week that we've done, so that keeps growing the charity's getting something out of it. I get to sit and watch all these people smash each other in the face with pies and. Listen to oh, there's nothing more funny than than listening to a uh, like the giggling wife right or spouse who gets to do it to their uh, to their or the their kids betrothed.
1: I like the it when kids the kids pie the pie their parent. That's great. Um, and you can also even donate just directly through the site too. I did that uh, the other the, last week. Uh, you can if you don't want to if you're not in the pie bet that week, you can also just donate to it to the children's fund. Well, don't, don't
2: you want to be in the pie? I knew you're going to goad me
1: into it here, but uh, yeah, so. I'll do it this week since you you graciously came on to our podcast. I'll do the pie bet this week. So, have you set your four player uh, four receivers yet?
2: No, we draft on Friday.
1: On Friday, we so draft no Thursday on game. Show. Okay, no Thursday game. Which yeah.
2: are are you are you available to appear on the show, Jeff, to make your pick in front of our audience? I'm actually going to be at are a you, golf are you tournament. A soccer game.
1: I'm actually going to be at a golf tournament for uh, a kid's school, but. I will, I will, I will participate. So I'm looking forward to seeing the names. Um, and I, I don't have to get frustrated with Keenan Allen, despite the, the tasty matchup against the, uh, Raiders there. Uh, but cause I know that'll end up frustrating me anyhow.
2: Yeah. We, we eliminate the Thursday game. We, we, we hear enough complaints about the product on Thursday night. That right. The last thing we want to do is put anybody on the spot for picking a Thursday game.
1: Right, right. Exactly. There. Um, yeah, So I believe, if I recall correctly, you lost last week. Yep. I and did. it it was not Chark Week.
2: <laughs> but it will be. Yeah. Um, yeah, I uh, I I took DJ Chark. I wanted to, you know, I didn't want to just continuously go with the chalk players here and I had a I thought I had a, a pretty good read on how Jacksonville plays in London. Um the Houston secondary was just a complete mess. They just lost JJ Watt for the season.
1: Mm -hmm. So I
2: figured, okay, this is, you know, this is a nice opportune time. And then, uh, apparently Jean shorts, disco clothes, and a cheesy porn mustache all went out of style in one week. And now there's no more Gardner Minshew, which now cost me a pie bet, which I'll be paying up that tonight.
1: All right. I'll be looking forward to that. It was it was a hideous game too. I dragged my butt out of bed to watch that six thirty Pacific, six thirty a.m. Pacific game. It was so bad. It was so bad. I was big on Chark last week. I, I for the same reasons that you were. You saw the no want secondary head injuries. Jack, you know, Chark Chark had a pretty good game against them last the last time they played. Yeah, it's like all it all lines up. But there were a lot of bad receivers last week. I mean, even if you didn't get caught up with the Thielen madness, you know, if you had Diggs, you expected a big game out of him. Nope. Allen Robinson, nope. I mean, there was a lot of bad receivers last week.
2: There really were. That's, you know, I mean, you, you talk about the people who owe pies from Robinson, Diggs, um, Robbie Anderson, Thielen, yep. Keenan Allen again. Again. Yep. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster. Yeah, Juju. another, an, another so, one who who fell short.
1: Uh, so, what do you do with Juju right now? Where where do you have him in your rankings for this week?
2: Um, where I where do I have him in my rankings for this week? I don't even I don't even remember exactly. I got where him at thirty one. I'm yeah. Way... You know, I mean it's it's a problem. You know, the problem is is the inconsistency. Yeah. You know, and and not really knowing. I mean, it's a, it's actually it's a it's a decent matchup for him. It's not a terrible matchup. Uh, at all, but I mean it's just it 's a problem with trusting Mason Rudolph and really right. what the what the game plan is and I think that Connor or no Connor, I think that Jalen Samuels just he detracts from Juju enough because they're using Samuels more in the passing game as well to help move the chains instead of using Juju because it's obviously it's a, it's a lower risk pass. Right.
1: Yeah. Mason uh, Rudolph yeah. is captain check down. I mean, 13 yeah. catches last week for Samuel. So it's crazy. Uh, none of those downfield. It's not, it's not like he's running wheel routes either. You know, he's, he's it's all check downs. It's, it's just, a, it's, it was really a hard watch when I did the rewatch of that game. It's just like, Oh, Wow. This was a tough one.
2: Yeah. But, you know, and the problem is, is that, you know, the week before, things look great. Things look like it looked like, OK, here we go. Mason Rudolph's back from injury. We're we're good to go. And, you know, and Juju puts in over 100 yards. And then, boom, last week it's so the consistency there. That's that's the big problem. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm not going to go on the uh, the Bob Long diatribe of consistency.
1: No, but... that's his brand. That's <laughs> that definitely his, his brand. That's And it's a good one. I love it. He's carved a career it. out of that and it's <laughs> for a good reason. I mean, it, it works. Uh, but, yeah, you're right. Uh, what do you do about Odell Beckham? What do you do about May- oh. Baker Mayfield? Uh, is this fixable this year?
2: No, I don't think it is. I mean, not until you get rid of the coaching staff. Yeah, I, Something's got to get – Freddie Kitchens is terrible. I'm, listen, I'm already – as a Nick Chubb owner, I'm already starting to hate on yes. Freddie Kitchens even more. That's – Really sticking in my craw.
1: I'm dreading this week. Dreading it. i am, I've got Nick Chubb everywhere too. I've got him in so many places. Uh, it would not be a. You know. I'm really dreading how much Cream Hunt's going to cut into him here.
2: Yeah. You know. And I, I figure. Okay. Listen. If 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 you want to split it sixty forty, six. You know, seventy thirty. Uh, that's fine. But from everything that you know that I'm suddenly hearing, there's definitely. Uh, a bigger role being addressed. And I I don't, I just don't get it. I I mean, unless you're showcasing him to trade him in the off season, the Browns aren't going anywhere this year. They're not making the playoffs and why wouldn't you just, you know, lean on your franchise player and Nick Chubb. So, you know, with Baker Mayfield and Odell Beckham, no, I I think that the, you know, listen, I don't think Baker Mayfield is that good of a quarterback. I was blown away that he was QB five off the boards this year. I was blown away. Yeah. Because you know, the accuracy isn't there. Um, you know, the decision making isn't good, the the scheme isn't great. And just because you're giving him a guy like Odell Beckham, that was the thing, is that you know, it was like, Oh, master of the one-handed catch, Odell Beckham joining the Browns, so now Baker Mayfield is suddenly going to improve as a QB? No. We saw that, you know, last year when he and Jarvis Landry couldn't get on the same page. Jarvis Landry was money in the bank with Ryan Tannehill as his QB, but you give him Baker Mayfield and it's a, a veritable disaster. So, yeah. you know, it was really tough to, to see that. And I think that, yeah, they need they need somebody in there who's uh, who's definitely going to be able to either work strongly enough with Baker Mayfield to to fix his game or they might need to even think about moving on.
1: Yeah, it's it's been a real regression year. I I think we've seen, though, with other quarterbacks, you know, bouncing back with good situations that I I wouldn't write them off. But, yeah, decision-making hasn't been good. I mean, just look at the last play against Denver last week on the fourth down conversion. Beckham wide open uh, down the sideline. They forced the ball into Landry, who had 13 targets in this game. Every time they threw to the middle to Landry, it didn't work. They did it again, anyhow, because that was the play. And I don't know if that's on kit. That's, you know, they don't, they, they hired Todd Mankin to be their offensive coordinator. They don't even use him. I, I don't right. understand why he's why why he's even hired if he's not allowed to call plays.
2: Yeah. Well, there you go. That's, that's what I think one of the big issues in Minnesota is, is why is Kevin Stefanski calling plays when it should be Kubiak and Dennison who yeah. are running this offense?
1: Absolutely. I agree. I absolutely so. agree with you on that. Things we have to go through all the time dealing with this here. A uh, couple more guys, a couple more matchups we'll talk about real quick before uh, letting you go, Howard. A uh, couple of other you know hot button guys. Arizona. So Kenyon Drake gets freed, has a tough matchup in two days and goes off against them. Now we got David Johnson potentially coming back this week. A matchup against the Bucks. Not a great matchup. You know, it's definitely a team that typically does well against the run against top running backs. But all of a sudden, we see Kenyon Drake and shows what he's capable of doing if given a chance. What do you like look at him for the rest of the year?
2: I don't really know what to make of him because it's it's one of two things, really. It's either, uh, yeah, Kenyon Drake got freed and he's a quality back who you can rely on, um, or Adam Gase is just, you know, complete trash and ruined him. You know, like that Mm -hmm. is that. I mean, is that where we're, we're at with Drake that we're looking at him one game against the 49ers and that settles it for, for everybody. So I have, I've kind of an issue with that. Also, I mean, what are you going to do with David Johnson? What happens when chase Edmonds comes back? Yeah. Um, It just seems like one of these situations where, where you could end up with a legit three headed monster in this backfield. And so I don't really know, like, you know, it's a tough matchup against Tampa Bay. The Bucks run defense has actually been really, really tough this year. So I don't think it's a soft matchup for him. But I mean, again, it's how many running plays are being called. I think the fact that that he is, you know, he's he, that he's going to get the uh, the targets will keep him, you know, having value in a PPR format and a full point PPR format. But I mean, I'm just not sure really of what to expect from him. Moving forward, I am not even cautiously optimistic. I'm very skeptical of him, and I've never liked him as a player anyway. So I'm not going to let one game really turn my head.
1: I did like him as a player. In fact, this year I wanted him early on when his price was pretty low, thinking that, okay, he's been freed from Adam Gaze. And then next thing you know, all of a sudden, Kalen Balaj, who we know who he is, was ahead of him on the depth chart. I'm like, really? again here we go again and then yeah so i almost feel validated by the game but i know it's just one game too uh i have a feeling this could be end up like a poor man san francisco in terms of the running backs you know i say poor man's because i think kyle kyle shanahan and the the niners offensive line are both superior in terms of you know coaching up the run but you know i i kind of feel like there'll be times when the, you know, there's going to be someone valuable. It's just a hard time to you know, pinpoint who's going to be in a given week.
2: Yeah, I, I could definitely see that being the, uh, being the case. I mean, I don't know. I, is David Johnson even going to play this week?
1: You know, the, the, the talk was last week that he was um, that, you know, they they said, okay, I think on Friday, they might've said something that he's expected to return. Um, now we haven't seen anything this week on that, It's been kind of frustrating, you know, like, okay, tell us now something. Him and Kamara both, you know, the Saints both, the, you know, there's this expectation, but we, we need more, you know, I'm impatient for the, the uh, set of practices to get going and get the reports going. I'm, I'm like, push it forward to Friday so I know more information on both these guys.
2: Oh, good luck. Good luck getting an accurate report. Come yeah. on. Yep. Do we have to go off on the beat writers now?
1: <laughs> well, let's go off on the national reporters. I, I we can do that because I think there's, first of all, I think we rely too much on those guys. Uh, you know, when, when, you know, I think Glazer's really good and he also keeps it kind of brief. He doesn't like go off on every single player. You know, I, we've all, we've all piled on, on rap report, but let's do it again. Cause it's kind of fun. Um, <laughs> he, he always, he has to be the first and, you know, we have, you know, breaking and all this, there's a chance according to sources, you know, it's, it couldn't be less direct, you know, it's, you know, where the local writers usually have something. It's just, they're not always quick to report it. And that's, that's the tough part. Some are better than others as far as that goes too.
2: Some are Some are definitely better than others, but what I've seen, and I see this a lot more in football than I do in baseball is that local writers, you know, are afraid to lose their access, and, yeah. you know, because we've seen, we've seen coaches turn on, on reporters and say, you know, keep this guy out of my locker room. And I think that, I think that, I think that, that writers right now are at this point where they're so afraid to lose their access that they don't want to sit there and start, you know, poking holes in, you know, offensive schemes or dogging a player for, for being bad. Um, The injury reporting here, I mean, like that's to, to, you know, bring it to that Arizona situation uh, that everybody didn't understand. If you're going to turn around, you're going to say that David Johnson is active. Well, okay, fine. Why, why 20 minutes into the game when Chase Edmonds has two touchdowns to the Arizona Cardinals, the guy who writes for
1: azcardinals.com, oh,
2: right? Why does he come out then 20 minutes in and say, well, you know, Kingsbury said that he was going to be available on uh, only on an emergency basis. Well, then why would you even give him a carry to start the game? It's not like he was like, you know, working on some Iron Man streak. Right,
1: right. So and how and does that constitute back, an emergency? Yeah, exactly.
2: Right? And then they came back. And they started trolling fantasy owners.
1: I know. And then Barry had Matthew Barry had a pretty good pushback on that. That was a pretty good rant. I enjoyed that. Uh, yeah, it, it, that it was that was hideous. And the team based ones. Yeah, they're they're obviously they're in the business of deceiving a little bit more. The team itself is some coaches view the injury report as another method, another way to ad- gain an advantage. And that drives me crazy, too. Usually for and it's it's usually pointless when they do so, too. So it drives me crazy.
2: Well, that's, that's how you get your read on the Patriots. You didn't know that? All you have to do is read the Globe and the Herald in Boston, and as soon, you, know, you, you get the story from what they say, and they talk about the potential game plan and who's going to be hot and who's going to get those extra carries, and then you just go the opposite way.
1: <laughs> All right, very good. We'll, we'll end on that note. Howard, thank you so <laughs> much for uh, joining me today. I uh, really appreciate it. really enjoyed the conversation.
2: Absolutely, Jeff. Love talking to you. Miss talking to you, man. It's been uh, it's been too long since you know the last FSGA event. So maybe yeah. we got to do this more.
1: Well, we'll see you in January in Vegas uh, for sure, and then we'll see each other at TOUT. Hopefully, uh, I know you're trying to figure out your March schedule, but uh, we'll, we'll cross paths soon. I know that.
2: Well, with the way my wife is acting lately, I'm just going to end up going everywhere, and she's not coming with me. Oh. Uh-huh. So. <laughs> That's been the one thing. If we go to New York, she's got to come to New York. We have to be in New York, but. Uh...
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, <laughs> wait till you you have dogs, not kids. So that's probably a little easier. But, uh, I, you know, it, it's 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 always fun. Um, yeah, this was a lot of fun, Howard, and looking forward to Friday. Uh, let me know who the top four are and uh, I'll, I'll, I'll jump in. I'll be in uh, on board too.
2: Very much looking forward to that. Appreciate you know you uh, you join in. I'm sure your girls, Jeff, will have an amazing time. It's for the kids. Pying you in the face.
1: It's for the kids. Like we like everything <laughs> else. It's for the kids. All right. Uh, that's this is going to conclude uh, today's Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Thank you, Yahoo Fantasy Sports, for uh, sponsoring us. Uh, we'll be back at you again tomorrow. Thanks again
3: for listening.